0: Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to
1: soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Marybeth Kuzmeski. Today I'm interviewing Margarita Chang. She is the Chief Executive Officer at Blue Ocean Global Wealth. She is the past spokesperson for the AARP Financial Freedom Campaign. She's a regular columnist for Kiplinger. She is a CFP. She comes from Tokyo, which Japan, which she'll talk about. And I think it's just amazing that we have her on the show today. And I know we're going to learn so much. So welcome, Rita. Thank you so much for having me. So just to start off, I know that, you know, you're in the financial industry, but talk about you're from Japan. How did you get from Japan to here? Talk about that sort of transition and and what you learned in that process.
0: Sure. So I will talk about that. But before I talk about that, I think I need to bring the listener just take a step back with the listeners. So my name is Margarita Maria Chang. You can refer to me as Rita. I am half Chinese. My dad is born in China. came to the U.S. by way of Taiwan. My mom is Irish and Czech. So how did I end up in Japan? So in college, I studied East Asian language and literature and finance. And I joke around. I say a little bit about myself. I have Confucian guilt from the motherland or fatherland (laughs) and Irish Catholic guilt. So what did I do about it? I decided to see the world. So I applied for a scholarship to study abroad in Japan. And then I had the opportunity to work in my field. And I worked at Toa Security at an, as an editor and translator of a newsletter for overseas investors. And the overseas investors were investors from the US and Europe. And then I became an analyst. So that was my first job in finance. How many
1: languages do you speak?
0: Well, I mean, i English is my first language. Um, I grew up, so my grandmother would speak to me in Chinese. I'd always answer her in English. But I would say the languages that I speak the best would probably be um, Japanese and then conversational Indonesian because my children's dad is from Indonesia.
1: So how did you get from Japan where you were working to the United States and talk about that transition and how that happened?
0: Sure. So, as I mentioned, I was an editor and translator for this newsletter um, for investors, and then I became an analyst. I became an analyst because I had the ability to understand financial statements and accounting, and I could read and write Japanese. My spoken Japanese has never been as strong as my written, but what's so interesting is for this job, the skills they really needed was someone who understood accounting and could read characters, kanji, and be able to make sure that the numbers made sense with the report and translate from Japanese into English. So that job was very um, fast-paced. I really enjoyed it. But there was something missing. It was a little bit transactional in nature. We didn't necessarily develop meaningful relationships with clients. At that time, I didn't know about the discipline of personal finance or financial planning. And so, you know, like all good things, um, my study and my work program came to an end. My boss was very happy with my performance, but, you know, the Asian economy started to slow down, and I came back to the U.S. to earn a second degree, and then I just lived life a little. I got married, had kids, um, worked very hard to help my husband pay off student loans, credit card debts, bought a house, had two babies, and I felt... Wow, now I really know what personal finance is all about. Because when I was in my twenties, although I was seventeen going on to forty, I knew that perhaps older clients might think, Okay, I know you're smart, but what do you know about retirement planning? You're in your twenties. So I felt like I had to, you know, learn more about living life and put and family financial planning before I could transition to become a Certified Financial Planner.
1: It makes a lot of sense. I I know that one of the quotes that you have, which I absolutely love, your mantra, if you will, is so many people spend their health to gain wealth and then have to spend their wealth to regain their health. And that's a quote from, uh, who is that a quote from? I think it's A.J. Materi? Yes. Yes.
0: I believe that's right. So I can't take credit for that quote, but what I think is very important to me personally, looking at my strengths and my personality, it's no wonder that I discovered financial planning because financial planning is intellectually stimulating. It's emotionally grat- gratifying. Um, it's it is financially rewarding. And most importantly, um, there's positive impact on um, family, individuals, families, and, and society. So that mantra is very important to me because I think that, People need and want to have a reasonable amount of wealth. They want time to enjoy their wealth. They want to have good health. And they want to have um community, friends, family, and loved ones. Hmm.
1: So when when you are serving, you know, you you're serving families and individuals and all of that, um, you know, you're you're working with them on certain things. But let's say that there's someone and like our audience that wants to get their financial life in order. They, they want to get it cleaned up. They want to be on a better path. Besides coming in to see you, what would be the advice that you would give them to start getting the financial life in order? So,
0: first, I would tell them don't be intimidated or overwhelmed. Um, personal finance and money in general can be intimidating and overwhelming. I tell people we start small. The first thing I would say is know your net worth. So, you take your assets minus your liabilities, and then you'll have a number. And no matter what that number is, um, that is a starting point. So if you have student loans, maybe you don't have a positive net worth. You have something very special. That's your human capital. That's your intellectual capital. And that will help you build financial wealth. Um, so your net worth is really important. It's a starting point. The next thing I would say is look at your cash flow. Um, you have money coming in, and then you have money going out. So what is that number that's left over at the end of the month? The greater that number that you can commit to your financial goals, the faster you'll get there. But the most important thing is to start. And of course, you know, credit. What is your credit score? So I, I tell people that having those three things is a great place to start. But most importantly, make sure that, you know, you take the time to understand what's important to you. Not just values, but what do you like doing? How do you like to spend your money? Uh, I think that's very important. Many times it would be wrong for me when we're going through the expenses. I help clients categorize their expenses by core, fixed, or essential, right? Those are things that you have no, I mean, you've got to pay them, right? The other category I call lifestyle or variable, I don't call them discretionary because for some people, What would appear to be discretionary for one person could be essential for another. Mm. So it's really about creating uh, a safe place, both uh, literally and figuratively, for people to discuss finances, a judgment-free zone, if you will. I think that's very important.
1: I think that's critically important. And I think it's one of the biggest reasons that people don't go in to see a financial advisor because they've got to share. I don't care how wealthy you are. You've made financial mistakes in your life. And so now you've got to go in and share it with somebody. And people would rather not do that. They, in some cases, rather go to the dentist. I mean, so how do you, um, do you share with people that this is a judgment-free zone when you come in and see us? I mean, I think that's a really critical point.
0: I actually say that. I said, you are here for a reason. You've taken time out of your schedule to come here. Um, What's very interesting is I send a questionnaire for people. uh, And I, this is exactly what I say. I said, you know, if you're interested in doing financial planning um, for me to do a good job, I'm going to need, you know, your assets, your liabilities, your income, your expenses, your insurance coverages. This can be kind of overwhelming, but for you to come to the meeting you don't necessarily need every single thing but this is like meant to facilitate the conversation and the dialogue this is truly a judgment-free zone this is your time it's your time to get to know me it's my time to get to know you um, i don't charge for the first hour and i tell people it's not because i don't value my time i really want this to be our time we get to know one another and the clock isn't ticking, you can have your questions answered, it's incredibly comforting for people. So even if people realize, you know what, maybe it's not a good fit, oh, or maybe the timing isn't right, I really want to create a positive experience for everybody who walks to the door, whether they decide to work with me or not, because many times I might be the first financial professional that someone has sat down with. It's important that that
1: Interaction be positive, like there's no shaming. Right, right, exactly. You know, here, here's something I know that there's a lot of things that I hear that say that, you know, investing for women or strategies for women to invest. Do you think that women need their own strategies? They're that different than maybe the way men invest, or do they need different things? Uh, you know, I, I'd like to get your feedback on that. Sure. So I think. And this is just
0: my opinion and my experience, So, I do think that the conversation with women is different from men. I think at the end of the day, women very much want the same thing that men want. They want to build wealth. They want to reach their financial goals. I do think that that's the same. However, how we get there is different and how it's packaged and delivered is different. Um, I, As I mentioned, I tried to create a judgment-free zone. I tried to create a safe zone. I tell people, and and they know I mean it, and I'm sincere and authentic. I don't want to talk down to somebody. I don't want to talk over someone. Um, I want to speak to you. And the language that resonates with you. So I think that women do, the, the, the conversation and the approach has to be different. Because women have a lot going on. That's not to say men don't. But women are more relational. And they're thinking two, three, four, five steps ahead. So it's not that they can't make decisions, they are just more relational and they're more risk-aware. I don't necessarily say the word risk-averse, they're more risk-aware.
1: Hmm, I love that because I think that's really true. I've not heard it really described that way, but yes, a risk-aware, always aware, and that can be a problem, right? I mean, that can stop us from doing things.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't mean we're not going to do things because we're scared of the risk. It's just we're more mindful and more aware of the risk. Right. So a great example of this is sometimes you might say to a woman, you know, you need to increase your 401k contributions. Clearly, she has the money. It's not that she doesn't want to do it, but she's thinking, well, if I increase my 401k contribution, I understand I could save more money for taxes, save more money on taxes, and save more money for retirement. I understand. However, like I might not be able to have as much money in my emergency fund, so am I still going to be okay? So this is an example of helping a, cl- helping a client through that process to just say, hey, you need to save more money for retirement because you're not on track. It's probably not constructive. You need to talk through those steps and explain impact that one a decision in one area of financial life could have in others.
1: So there's not a lot of financial professionals that are females in any part of the financial industry, whether you're a trader or whether you're a financial planner, whether you're an agent, you know, just you take the entire financial industry and there's very few women. I, I, you know, I hear numbers anywhere from 13% to 20% of women, but it's such a wonderful, I believe it's such a wonderful, you know, industry for women to be in. How did you, I mean, do you ever talk to women about getting into this industry or do you think that this is, I mean, do think this is a great industry like I do for women? Oh, I
0: absolutely think this is an amazing industry for women. Women are, that's not to say that we don't need men. We need more financial advisors uh, in our industry, particularly more women. This is an area, this is a profession that is growing. Um, Just last week, I spoke at my university, University of Maryland, and um, it was women leading women, and we talk about career paths. So I speak about that a lot. Um, how did I answer finance? Well, I was um, very strong in math. Like my quant skills were very good. Like I, I took engineering level math in college um, and I was good at math and statistics. I didn't necessarily understand what business was because at the time, and I think there's still this perception that business is cold and it's cut throats. But then when I realized that business needs people with good analytics skills, that's how I became a finance major. And how I built my confidence is I had very good quantitative skills. Like I took classes in options in college. And when I entered this business, I might not have had sales training. But I was confident because I knew how to do time-value money calculations on my HP-12C. I could coach the guys in options. So that helps give me confidence. And clients could ask me a question. Uh, if I refinance, how much money can I going to save? I can do that on HP-12C. Um, and that, I, I could find mistakes in the financial planning software. So my technical skills helps. Me become more confident. And as it became more confident, I was more outgoing and I could prospect more. But I think women sometimes it is true that we feel like we need to know all the answers. And sometimes we question our own confidence. And so what I talked about last week is at the time, I might not have appeared to be ostensibly confident because I didn't have the best sales skills. But Clients had trust and confidence in me because I was thorough. I mean, I still am, but I'm talking about when I first entered uh, financial services. I was thorough. I was on point. I could answer their questions. If I didn't know the answer, I would say, you know what? I don't know the answer. I just want to research that and get back to you. So I'm 100% certain people really appreciated that uh, integrity and authenticity.
1: Yeah. And I think when you talk about your quant skills, I mean, you have a background that uh, I think, and this is one of the things that I believe that women think that they have to be this quant expert and they have to be a math major or something to go into finance. And a lot of women don't have an interest in that. So what would you say to women who are not necessarily as quantitatively oriented like you are? Is this still a good industry for them? It absolutely
0: is because. In fact, I've told clients, I happen to have a good background in quant, but that doesn't really matter. We can throw it out the window. What really matters is psychology and the ability to communicate with clients. Right. Um, and they, like, laugh at me, but you're, like, you're really smart. Where were you? You could have helped me with my statistics. When I was in graduate school, I mean, I have helped clients with their homework when they're in graduate school. And they're like, I definitely can't fire you now because like, I'm getting an A in statistics because of my birth financial planning relationship. Like, I really can't fire you. I'm stuck with you. I have you to thank for my uh, sound financial teacher and my GPA. But in all seriousness, I think that our industry, financial planning, financial advisory, we need to do a better job of um, communicating with young women that you don't necessarily need to know a lot about math. Um, it's about relationships, it's about communicating, um, because at the end of the day, we need to be good communicators to be able to guide our clients to plan and make better financial decisions.
1: Right. And so many of the firms have great resources. Financial planning software have the resources of, you know, investment professionals and people who build portfolios and all of these sorts of things. And there's a lot of firms who provide those things. So you don't need to come with some, you know, grandiose analytics skills, but you will have at the resource, you know, those tools.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I think being a good financial advisor, it is going to be, there's a trend of like, you know, global advice. I do believe that the wealth advisor, financial advisor, pointer of the future will use technology to make him or her more efficient. But there, the need for empathy and the ability to connect with one another
1: is never going away. Right. This is true. So Rita, how can people reach you? How can they find you? What are your website and things like that?
0: Sure. So our firm's website is blueoceanglobalwealth.com. People can also email me at mcheng, that's M for Margarita, C-H-E-N-G, at blueoceanglobalwealth.com.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Female Insight Zone. I learned some things. I gained a little confidence along the way talking with you and listening to you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible
1: mark in business and the path they took to soar.